Dateline, October 8th, 2017. The Sense and Theory podcast but, tackles the come news Come on, media. come on, man. Oh. Really? Well, like, I'm really good at the voice, though. Hello, folks, and welcome to the Sense and Theory podcast. I'm Sense. And I'm Theory. <laughs> and today we're going to talk about the media. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it's a tough topic. So, um, history guy, why don't you just uh, get us started here and kick it off? Okay. Um, well... Here's the thing, man. When we talk about bias in media, I think if we look at it historically, that's that's always been a problem. I mean, there are exceptions. I mean, for instance, back in the 19th century, newspapers were incredibly biased. You had uh, it was it was not uncommon for entire articles to deal with whether or not uh, you know Andrew Jackson, for instance, had an affair and how scandalous it was for him to have uh, lured his wife away from somebody she was married to. So it was I mean, entirely true. I yeah. swear. I, mean, I these, saw it myself. <laughs> yeah. These were, these were entire, like, you know, an article that encompassed like the entire front page of the newspaper. Like, and that was fair game and considered journalism. I mean, Freedom of speech. Right. I mean, yeah. That's what journalism was. But uh, another thing that contributed to that was back then you didn't have, uh, you know, Pfizer or Coke or anybody to go hit up for money. So a lot of these newspapers were actually funded by the local political party. And it was just understood that the Daily Times was going to be the Republican newspaper and the Times Daily, you know, was going to be the Democratic paper right. like in town. And, you know, you had your Democrat and your Republican paper and, you know, you tried to, you tried to find, uh, you know, a balance in between, I guess. Um, that changed a little bit when we got to the middle of the 20th century because advertising like heavily, heavily started to get its hooks into the news. And it's And this was after after World War Two? Yeah, yeah. I mean you could even make a case that it started, you know, like during World War Two and then, you know, but definitely the forties and the fifties. Right. Um and what's funny about that is you have some of the most epic newsmen in history come out of that era. You've got Cronkite and Ernie Powell and Edward R. Murrow. Ironically, this loops back into into our last episode. Um this also marks the time when government propagandists were actually getting into marketing. Yeah. Um, once the war was over. So, yeah. and, and you can make, so, well, and the point that I'm making is that this was a different time and that there was this, there was a, a consensus in America. I'm not saying that there weren't people who disagreed, but we had the red scare, the communist threat, the cold war, you know, you're, you're coming out of war to, there was dissension, but there was a lot more um, centrism. And, and in a way, it actually did us a, a service and a disservice. So, for instance, Walter Cronkite, Edward R. Murrow, they're, they're seen as like calling it down the middle, but they also didn't have these extremes that they had to balance against each other. You know, So when that starts happening in the 60s, for instance, with Cronkite and the Vietnam War, you start to see it fraying around the edges. Now, all of a sudden, Cronkite, like, you know, well, Cronkite came out against the Vietnam War, so he's either a pot-smoking hippie. Right. Or, you know what I mean? <laughs> so so it starts to kind of, like, spin out of control there. Right. Um, one of the things that uh, heavily contributed to the way that news was presented during that period and, and on up into the 80s was the Fairness Doctrine, which uh, the FCC had put in place back in the 40s. And basically it said that, you know, if you um, if you're going to present, you know, a viewpoint on an issue, you have to give uh, equal time to an opposing viewpoint. Like they compelled your speech. Like if you're going to talk about this issue, you must also talk about the yeah. other side of the issue, whether, whether it's wrong or right. doesn't matter yeah. what it is. Yeah. I've and got a, I've got a problem with that. I mean, I, on one hand, I feel like great, you know, that kind of prevents... Uh, prevents someone from using their their mouthpiece to just foment one side of a view, and and generally, I think that's a great thing when it's something I don't agree with. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. But on the other hand, um, the the part of me that is all for personal liberty and personal responsibility says, like, you don't compel me to say shit. Yeah. If yeah. I want to say it, I'm gonna say it, and and. And damn you, <laughs> yeah. you know, present the opposite viewpoint if you think I'm wrong. And that, say that it as loud as I do. The whole history of the fairness doctrine is kind of, it's that right there. It's like, yeah, when we say it, it, it sounds great. You know, like, uh, sure, we're going to, you know, if you're going to say this, 
then you have to make sure that you don't lead people astray and you let them know that there are other ideas out there. But let me tell you what happened in practice. In practice, a lot of, especially the smaller um, news stations at the time and uh, local broadcasters just got out of the business altogether because right. it was too hard for them to go out and, you know, find, how, do, how do I equally represent the other view? Who do I bring on? Can I find anybody to bring on to equally and, represent? And is it true side? that this is when we started seeing as a country like more and more mergers and consolidation of news entities being absorbed into yeah, it, larger well, it entities? Kicks in, it kicks into high gear like towards the end um, of the fairness doctrine. But yeah, uh, but no, it did like it started to... Uh, uh, you had much more uh, local interest pieces than you did, uh, you know, like on, on your local broadcast news. Sure. You started having more, uh, you know, hey, this dog can catch a Frisbee than you did, you know, real discussions about like tax policy and stuff. Right. So, um, yeah, eventually, it, you know, so the Fairness Doctrine, like the FCC ends up dropping it in the 80s. Uh, you know, some people in Congress tried to pass a bill to reinstitute it and Reagan vetoed it. But what's... What's interesting is, so now that the fairness doctrine is gone, you almost immediately see the rise of Rush Limbaugh. You almost immediately see, so now that that's not the case, now we start getting these, the, this partisan, you know, this, this hard partisan, hard, you know, one viewpoint, right. um, uh, radio programs and TV shows and, and stuff like that. And, uh, almost like simultaneously, you have this other issue where back in the fifties, advertisers wanted mass appeal, right? That contributed to that, that, that centrism that, that, you know, but in the nineties, they started looking for niche markets and Roger Ailes, you know, he said when he founded Fox news, he was like, if I can aggregate the news and then present an opinion on it, I can reach people who share that opinion as a niche market. And, and, and you a know. niche market for his advertisers. For his so advertisers. at that point, exactly. at that point, we go from providing a service to the consumer who is the person reading the news mm -hmm. to we will put forth the articles we know a certain type of people will read and attract them to our market and then sell them to our advertisers. And yeah, then be able to go to our advertisers and be like, these are the people we pull in. What do you want to target them with? So this takes news away from away from the free market of, of consumers and into the free market of, of advertisers. I mean, yeah, this is well, like flips it, one it? of yeah. the begin. It, it really does. This yeah. is like the beginnings of what we now see everywhere as us being not the consumers, but the product being sold. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, you know, we are very much being sold to marketers in order to sell to us in turn. Mm -hmm. And, and it's funny, I don't think many people see the news that way, although I would say that it's one of the main reasons, and we'll touch on this later, it's one of the main reasons um, that the news is failing right now. I think yeah. you know our generation uh, doesn't value news. We don't pay for news. Like, when was the last time? The subscription people call me from the, the Lexington Herald-Leader, yeah. and I hang up on them because they're really, they're really jerks. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't want the newspaper. And, and for me... Um, I didn't trust the news, so that's why I didn't, I didn't read the newspaper. And I, and, and growing up on the internet, I could go anywhere for news. You right, know, I could right. go, I could go to the net for news. I had twelve different places, and I had the time, um, to go do that. So I did. Yeah, but I mean, you're you're hard pressed nowadays, even on the internet, to find stuff that isn't biased. And and I would say, you know, when we're talking about bias, like there there's a difference. Okay, like if you look back at let's say the New York Times in the 1960s and you look now it's back then it's much more uh facts driven factual based it's it's more of a dry reporting of the news right than it is you know opinion and analysis and i don't think i mean opinion obviously but as far as analysis but opinions were clearly marked then too yeah that's true but if you ask for analysis or if you are given analysis with a news story you've already entered the murky depths of the world of bias like how can it, it's really hard for a human. I, you know, journalists are supposed to work towards minimizing that, but it's still really hard for a human to completely keep their biases out of analysis. In fact, if, if you haven't been trained to do so, I'd say it's nigh impossible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. Uh, there are scientists trained to eliminate bias from, from their experiments um, mm -hmm. in much the same way. 
and they fail sometimes. Right, right. Um, your average journalist, your average writer, I, I don't think they have much training there. Well, and then they have stuff they have stuff working against them. I mean, think about it. As we've seen uh, newspapers in Kansas City and in uh, you know Lubbock, Texas, as they fold or get smaller or cut jobs and stuff, most of our media jobs are now moving towards the coasts. So now you uh, you live in a blue state in a blue county on the coast, like you're in New York City or you're in Los Angeles and stuff. And again, you know, it's not to say that, that bias doesn't occur on both sides, but there's a, a fact, uh, I got it from Politico, 7% of full-time journalists identify as Republican. Oh, only only 7%? 7%? Does yeah. that mean the rest of them identify as Democrats? No, it does not. Actually, uh, <laughs> I think it was 28% identify as Democrats. Okay. And then the overwhelming majority identify as uh, unaffiliated. This is self-reported. Yeah, so. yeah, but it's also self-reported. And journalists know they have to, you know, they're supposed to maintain that, you know, that integrity. But of the people right. who will admit what their leanings are, it's four to one Democrats, you know, 28% right. versus 7%. And do we have like the APs, uh, doesn't the AP have a statement on, on bias? Aren't they supposed to be like, they're yeah, supposed well, to be unbiased, got, right? I've, I've do got, we, uh, do we right have here, that somewhere? Uh, here is the AP's uh, statement on news values. Uh, they say, uh, but always and in all media, we insist on the highest standards of integrity and ethical behavior when we gather and deliver the news. That means that we abhor inaccuracies, carelessness, bias, or distortions. It means we will not knowingly introduce false information into material intended for publication <clears> or <throat> broadcast. <clears throat> Nor will we alter photo or image content. Quotations must be accurate <clears throat> and precise. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it means we always strive to identify all the sources of our information, <laughs> shielding them with anonymity. Yeah, it's uh, it's enough to to make you choke on your dinner. <laughs> wow, man! Yeah. And and I have to say, like, in in the interest of clarity, we can talk about bias, but I think up front we need to establish that this is actually something that is happening. It's been very well studied. Um, you know, you've got the history on it. This goes way back further than than I even thought about you know i mean i i'm not pouring through you know 200 year old newspapers um (laughs) but in in modernity i mean we can look to places like pew research and i've got uh from their state of the news media report in 2013 here um let's see an, an analysis of cable in late 2012 finds that overall commentary and opinion are far more prevalent on the air, 63% of the airtime, than straight news reporting, 37% of the airtime. And that's across the board. That's not looking at uh, that's not looking at sides. That's not looking at Fox News versus NBC. But they go on yeah. to talk about Fox versus MSNBC. And I think, I mean, I was surprised. I think most of us are going to be surprised <laughs> by far. The highest percentage of opinion and commentary is on MSNBC, eighty-five percent to fifteen percent reporting. Eighty-five percent. Fox News in between at fifty-five percent commentary and forty-five percent reporting. Yeah. So, I think there is this kind of meme that goes, "Well, you know, MSNBC, MSNBC is is hard right leaning, and and you know they they stretch the facts hard and." Left. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, they stretch the facts and fake news and fake news. But mm. when you hit them with that, they go, "Well, it's not as bad as Fox News. Yeah. Fox <laughs> News is worse." Yeah. Well, man, well, yeah, they've done the research. No, there's been there's been a thing for years where where uh, you know conservatives and, and people on the right were saying, you know, the media is biased. The media is biased, and it always gets it always just gets brushed off, um, because we have this idea that like journalists. Um, even, even if, you know, the stuff that I mentioned, even if you look at how they're living, where they live and, you know, how they went to school, uh, you know, some of the notions about being a journalist and what that means to begin with, like we look at all these things, but they say, but they, but they, you know, strive for integrity. So, right. You know, they wouldn't do that. Um, however, there's study after study. There's a UCLA study that says that out of 20 major media outlets, 18 scored left of center. And I mean, that's from UCLA. It's not like that's from the Heritage (laughs) Foundation. (laughs) You know, so uh, there and there's just so the idea that um, that the liberal outlets 
are less guilty of this particular crime is just absurd. Yeah, let me, let me for instance, that same UCLA study uh, showed that the fourth most centrist outlet out of those 20 was Special Report with Britt Hume on Fox News, which is often cited by liberals as an egregious example of a right-wing outlet. Um, but what they did when they did the study, they found that it is equidistant from the center as ABC, ABC's World News Tonight and NBC's Nightly News. So, I mean, basically what we're saying is is that the Brit Hume show is no more extremist its way than NBC Nightly News, a broadcast channel's news report. Right. So, I mean, I think bias, I think it's settled. I mean, I think there's no question that there are biases. Fox News obviously skews right hard. Yeah. Uh, and, and we live with this truth every day. Yeah, I mean, we talk about it, it. And the question is, is when does it become harmful? When is it what we expect and... Or, or what we you know have to deal with, and when is it a little bit extra? When is it more than that, right? So I heard um, last year this really interesting idea that I'd never considered before. Uh, a guy named Eric Weinstein was talking about Russell conjugates, and uh, they're actually I think I think it's called a mode of conjugation, but it's also uh, named for Bertrand Russell, dude, England uh, thinker and writer. Um, but basically, it's. Sometimes the bias that gets inserted in news articles is very subtle just by the way that someone goes to say something. Let me give you an example of a Russell conjugate. I am firm. You are obstinate. He is a pig-headed fool. (laughs) See, those are three completely different values, even though I'm saying the same thing. And, And we see, like, if you stop and you start looking at news articles... Like after after I heard that, like I started looking for him and I was blown away. I mean, he's he's right. I mean, that changes the whole tone and tenor of right, of especially the when article. you when you mix this with with headlines and yeah yeah. Absolutely. And now our headlines scream something. Let when, me uh, let me let me give you one more. This one I like. Uh, I have reconsidered the matter. You have changed your mind. He has gone back on his word. Right. See, I mean, that's that's it's it now, you know, he flip flops and da, 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 da. Or does he? I'd say Donald Trump is the master of Russell conjugates. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> that's absolutely. right up his alley. He learned it from uh, he learned it from the best. So right. I think I think we can ask journalists, uh, you know, to keep an eye on, you know, their Russell conjugation. No, we can't. But no. And you know why? Why is that? Because we don't pay them. Well, that's true. That's true. That's true. We can't ask for anything. We're being sold. <laughs> we are not. We we are in no position to ask anything of our news organizations. I get what you're saying. They we need can, our readership. We can yell for it on the streets. Thank I'll put you. Put it to you that way. We now, could stop reading. Not, yeah, we can't. Force we can them. stop reading because, truthfully, if the advertisers don't have anyone reading, then you know, yeah, then then the newspaper has well. nothing to Absolutely. sell. So that's so, the point. So well. that's but that's where I think we're at with that one. We have to. That's on us. That's not something that's going to fix. And I don't know. You know, I don't even know if your average journalist realizes that he said he went back on his word. Like, I mean, I think to an extent he does. He should. I hope he does. Right. But sometimes little ones, it's going to happen. No, and I don't know? think so. I think we as people, we we do this, man. We structure our speech on the fly mm-hmm. in order to foment our will on the world around of us. Uh, around yeah. us. I, I mean, there's no question about that. We do. If we don't like someone, the things that we say about them... Um, are automatically a little more negative toned. Like yeah. it's just, it's just something we've all done and, and we're going to do it forever. So I think that trying to hold journalists to this expectation that they will not succumb to some of these biases is a little unrealistic. I think yeah. we need to recognize them. Yeah. Uh, I think we need to talk about them. And I think, and then like you said, I think they need to try, you yeah, know, I think they absolutely. need to try their hardest, but in a lot of ways I feel like, um, you know, AP's statement of values is just is just laughable. So yeah. I think if we're talking today about Russell conjugates to uh, you know the New York Times editor, mm-hmm. um, I, if you're asking me, do I think he's giving much thought to this? No, no, <laughs> no, I don't think so and, at well, all. And and it's clear, like looking at the you know looking at various media personalities, uh, you know, like say on Twitter or Facebook, like in in quotes and other stories, like their response to most of this criticism is that. You know, we are we are a, a, a bastion of liberty and, and like, you know, and they have mm-hmm. this like inflated sense of their self. And I get it. I mean, they can be, you know, uh, Woodward and Bernstein breaking Watergate. You know, that's like that's the the pinnacle of journalism right there. You know, it's, sure. it's one of the great moments. Um, but 
but it is it's it's so powerful a tool that you, that you have to watch it and i mean it can it can get them in insidious ways for instance uh there's another study that i recently saw uh, about selection bias and they were able to take this computer and program uh an, an algorithm into it that can assign you know values to words and stuff and then the science on that i'm i'm a little fuzzy on but you know computer algorithms are getting crazy with what they, they are getting nuts i mean think about it you can talk to siri and and it knows what it doesn't just know the words that you're saying and strings them together but it can form um you know its own opinions on what you mean by those words yeah, it's yeah, it's absurd absolutely. and if they can do that when you're speaking um doing that to uh, news articles yeah. and feeding it into any manner of, of database. Like, well, no in problem. this it's... particular study, what they did was they took uh, something on the order of like 2000 uh, quoted texts, right? So they took a speech of Hillary Clinton's or a speech of Donald Trump's or, a, you know, a speech of this, you know, yada, yada. And they fed the computer, the quotes that were used by various publications, but they did it blind. So for instance, Here's the quote from today's Donald Trump speech that Fox used. And here's the quote from today's Donald Trump speech that MSNBC used. <laughs> but they didn't tell the computer which one. The computer, course, was able, yeah. the computer was able to identify based on which portion of the text it quoted, which was which. Wow. So, I mean, you know, so, so basically, like, so what's happening there? If you're MSNBC and you're pushing a viewpoint... There is a different portion of Donald Trump's speech that is relevant to sure. what you're trying to say, you know. And, and sometimes just by leaving off three words. Yeah. I absolutely. mean, let's be honest. In fact, the, there's some clips of uh, of his visit to Puerto Rico mm -hmm. that I saw in a MSNBC cut off three or four words at the end of his sentence just to make it sound worse. Yeah. And it was when he was uh, he was talking about how Katrina was such a worse storm, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's not exactly what he said. But but my point is they cut off three words from the end of the sentence to make it worse. Yeah. Like yeah. let the man finish a sentence. If you're yeah. gonna report on it, let's let's report on it. So I, I think I think at that point, yeah, I think it becomes I, I would I would I would want to temper that. I would say there are times where it's insidious. There are times where, you know, for instance, if Trump talked today about gun regulation and um, let's say terrorism, you know, uh, I would, you know, if the right terrorism is near and dear to its viewers, they're going to quote from terrorism. And if the left is going to quote about gun regulation because the left is up in arms about gun regulation. Absolutely. It skews to a point. But there is there. I'll say that there is. A bit of that that I'll allow for talking to your people about the things they care about. No question. But when you're leaving off part of an entire thought. That's something, yeah. In order to make it sound like something it may be not. So. Or at least make it lean towards, you know, a certain position. That's, that's, well. That's unforgivable I'll to tell me. You, that's I'll like tell cardinal you, sin. I'll tell you where that happens all the time. And that is headlines. <laughs> headlines have gotten outrageous. Uh, take for take for example the the big to do over Trump rolling back uh, the Obama era rule on background checks uh, that uh, you know Trump was putting guns in the hands of the mentally ill. Right? Who would do that? Well, uh, you know Trump, the the imperial Hitler. You know, of course he did. So here's here's the AP headlines: uh, House votes to roll back Obama rule on background checks for gun ownership. Uh, we've got another one here from the Hill. House strikes down Obama era regulation that blocked gun sales to mentally ill. Ouch. Uh, and then I think we got one more here from NPR. House votes to overturn Obama rule restricting gun sales to mentally ill. Okay. All right. So obviously, uh, you know, the GOP decided as a party that it was cool if crazy people had guns. Yes. Right? Schizos. Okay. All right. What Is actually that a derogatory happened? term? Schizophrenics. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what actually happened, the rule, um, all right, here we go. This rule would require the Social Security Administration to forward the names of all Social Security disability insurance and supplemental security income benefit recipients who use a representative payee to help manage their benefits due to a mental impairment to the National Instant Criminal Background Check System. <laughs> so, so basically you've, you've created uh, police officers 
who will turn in anyone who pays their taxes for them over as mentally ill? Yeah, no, you've taken the you've taken the Social Security Administration and you've said, hey, if somebody uh, says I need help managing all the benefits that I receive from you because you know I'm not good with numbers or, or whatever for whatever reason maybe I don't understand all the uh, you know crazy arcana that comes with the Social Security Administration not just because you're old and that, incompetent that means that they are now mentally ill to the point that they shouldn't be able to own firearms so the Social Security Administration's obscure rule about you know you handling your own benefits is now the arbiter of whether or not someone is mentally yeah Ill. that's absurd and, and the other problem with it is is that you can't even there, there's no link right so uh you know dr mark rosen a yale psychiatrist said someone can be incapable of managing their funds but not be dangerous violent or unsafe these are very different determinations so that's what got rolled back that's what got repealed but if i look at the headlines no, we're we're going to the nut house and just giving everybody AK-47s. And that's, you know, I mean, that's not at all what happened. And it's funny because, and this, this loops back to a previous episode when we talked about this, like when we read these headlines, we are getting a dopamine response in our brains. Hmm. Um, something about uh, the process of just, and, and this is on social media is when, when this was studied, but it was it was actually studied very well. When we're on social media and we're taking in these headlines, it's releasing dopamine in our brains. And that dopamine is actually reinforcing beliefs and memories that are happening while under the influence of it. Right. So this is this type of egregious just lies in headlines is like the most insidious behavior. Well, and it's because, you know, a lot of people look at the headlines. So, for instance, in this case, everything that I laid out about the Social Security Administration was in the article. Right. And that's why. So so if you've got the time to sit there and click on every single one of these articles, fine. It's there but somewhere. If you're on social media, if you're on Facebook and you're scrolling through, oh, well, Trump's trying to give, you know, guns to the mentally ill. And then you scroll on past it. You don't read every article. And that's why headlines become so popular. That's it's right. So we, in, we ingest them in in a split second. Our brain enters them in, as fact under the influence of dopamine. And we move on. Yeah, absolutely. And I see that I see that as it's bad, but I, I will say that there's another category, right? So there's that. There's you know these these fake headlines, but hey, at least at least the information was in the article. <laughs> That's not always the case. But what's what happens when the article is not right? Fake news. Fake news. Baby. Fake news. Oh yeah. And and here comes the part of the show that I almost regret doing but but i have to do it and let me just start by saying every time i've brought these instances up to to anyone they treat me like a trump supporter yeah and i'm automatically looked at as an enemy combatant of sorts and hostile to them uh it immediately shuts down conversation Mm -hmm. but guess what folks now I have a platform. <laughs> you don't get to shut me up. This this actually uh, this was actually a big lead in to us doing this was back in in February. We had a story that we'll touch on here in a moment, but you know we kind of we kind of like you know looked at each other across the room in a sense over social media yeah. because we both saw this story. And yeah, man, people were like, "Oh, well, you're defending Trump. You're supporting." No, Trump we and, jumped and down the stuff. rabbit hole and and realized what was at the, the other end. So yeah, let me let me kick it off here. I've got a laundry list a mile long and we're going to try to do this quickly. The first one that, that I saw that really caused me to kind of scratch my head was earlier in the year when Bannon got appointed as the head of the national security council, the head of the SS, right? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Exactly. Um, I was like, how, how, who, who would do that? Why would anyone that just, that's, that's dumb on all fronts. So, Mm. I started digging into it, and and it took me three, four clicks, maybe one Google search, and Bannon was appointed to the head of the Principals Committee on the NSC, which is That's not the nowhere same near yeah. the same thing. So moving right along, um, we're all very familiar with the Russian narrative ah, yes. that uh, Russians have hacked our elections. They're everywhere in twenty-one states, and this was uh, this was purported. By the FBI, apparently. So here, here we go. 
Uh, USA Today says, Russians attempted to hack election systems in 21 states in the run-up to last year's presidential election, officials say Friday. Rachel Maddow, Homeland Security knew at least by June 21st states had been targeted by Russian hackers during the election. Well, AP retracts on Twitter and says, Feds now say Russians did not hack Wisconsin's voter registration system. Imagine that. Uh, let's see. That's just, uh, that's just absurd. I mean, come on. Uh, we move on. The electric grid hack. Mm. I'm not sure if you, if you heard this one. Some people uh, have. Actually, I did not. I did not. It got caught pretty quick and yeah. shut down, but my, my feed was awash. Russians hacked the electric grid. Mm. Washington Post now states on their story, editor's note, an earlier version of this story incorrectly said that Russian hackers had penetrated the U.S. electric grid. What happened, folks, yeah. was one person at the electric plant got malware on their computer, on their laptop. He was probably looking at porn. <laughs> it's happened to us all. Think about it. That malware was written by Russian coders. I believe they know this because some of the comments were written in Russian. That malware is also available for download by anyone with money to pay for it it's 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 available software so so this this link instantly it's this insidious far-reaching link that's right yeah absolutely. that's right and and here's burlington just just so you don't question me and say well he's you know oh they're making this up no burlington electric says we detected malware in a single burlington electric department laptop not connected to our organization's grid systems come on folks the headlines changed from the electric grid has been hacked to risk to electric grid grid yeah, from how do, hackers. How do, you, how do you even begin to say that the electric grid was hacked? I mean, at Dude, no point. Let me tell you, someone, someone here at this organization knew exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. They read exactly what happened, and they spun it into a headline that was deliberately misleading yeah. during election times. And folks, this wasn't Russians. Yeah. Russians didn't do this. Um, and it, and it goes on. I mean, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I, I'd like to, I'd like to pop in for a second. You had, you had mentioned Rachel Maddow, right? And I, I think that a lot of times we, we get it in our heads that, uh, yeah. Okay. So some of this stuff is happening, but you know, it's happening, you know, Breitbart, Huffington Post, Rachel Maddow, Brit Hume on Fox, you know, but no man, it's the AP. Like, like right. let's not, let's not miss at all that the Associated Press is very much complicit in this. For instance, uh, earlier this year, there was a story where the AP uh, reported that the Trump administration had considered sending 100,000 National Guard uh, down to the border with Mexico in order to uh, you know, detain and deport um, <clears throat> immigrants, and they were also going to be used uh, in the interior as well. Well, it turns out that what they were actually referring to was a guy in the Department of Homeland Security had put together a memo that he was going to go then show his boss, and maybe that boss would kick it up to, you know, John Kelly, the head of the Department of Homeland Security, and maybe he would take it to the president. But to say that the Trump administration was considering this. And do you have a headline here for me? And it was, Please oh, tell me you've got the, the... No, that is the headline. Trump admin consider... Oh, but I will, I, I will give you a note about the headline. Is actually when we were doing research... Uh, for this episode, um, they so the AP got busted on that, right? Like like bigger in life because they they dropped the report and within hours everyone was like, well, no, I, I don't think that's what happened at all. And so now, if you go to that exact link, like if you go back to the stories that was like AP lies about the hundred thousand troops, right? And you click on the link, you're taken to this story that says DHS may have considered. Uh, you know, a hundred thousand troops sending, to, you know, so now, you know, when it originally hit, it was Trump, Trump's doing this and you see that headline and, and even read that story. And you get this impression that Trump is locking down the board. He's sending troops. They're going to goose step down there and start rounding up Brown people and stuff. That's, that's the image that it evokes. But that has nothing to do with what actually. It was one dude. Yeah, you, you remember the uh, the secret server that was communicating with the Russian bank? No, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, uh, it was actually a spam server, and people at that Russian bank 
uh, were on the spam list. So when that spam email got sent to the Russian bank, it sent out a DNS query. Mm-hmm. Who is this? Who is this domain? Right. And got a response back. <laughs> I swear, and 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 I don't swear that that's exactly what happened. Because look, maybe, maybe that was happening, but. Yeah. What actually happened was <laughs> newspapers got sent an anonymous white paper that referenced DNS lookups. And the DNS system is like a phone book for the Internet. Right. Um, it holds, you know, there's an IP address and then there's a name that goes with the IP address. If you want to find out from a name what the IP address is, you make a DNS query. When you say www.blah.com, it goes who's blah.com. Right. You get an IP address back so you know who to talk to. Yeah. Um, so... This, this white paper referenced DNS lookups, which were apparently maybe public in this case. Don't know how they got them. They didn't ask the question either. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was missing information. It was totally full of holes. Um, on any cursory investigation, it was, it was just a load of crap. Yeah. So, so that's what actually happened. Um, whether, it was, whether it was spam emails, I don't know. They did find Spectrum turned over an email, mm-hmm. um, a spam email. Mm-hmm from that server that was in question uh, to the bank in question. So we know that that did happen at least once. Right, right. So I think... But by no means, like, I mean... There was absolutely zero evidence for this Russian plot to communicate with a bank. There were public DNS queries made. Yeah. Um, So this Russian narrative just... It just doesn't seem to go away. And it's kind of mind-boggling. Because if it was just one time, I mean, if you think about it, oh, they made a, they made a mistake. Yeah, they made a whoopsie on the electric grid, or they made a whoopsie on. Uh, well, I, th- I think there was a uh, uh, problem at one point with Trump and the uh, the FSB. Right. And and you know, and it's, but it just keeps happening. No, the, the, this this indicates poison at a at a deeper level. I mean, the whole Scaramucci thing. Um, CNN published a story connecting this guy uh, with some some involvement uh, with a Russian direct investment fund. Uh, they've totally walked it back. Yeah. You know, this didn't happen. So here are, what, five, six different uh, pieces of this Russian narrative that are all completely, completely made up. Yeah. And, and you still have people walking around to this day going... Russians hacked the election. Russians hacked the security grid. Russians are in bed with Trump. Well, I'll tell you what, folks, if it is true, mm-hmm. you've lost everyone now because the people yeah. who are paying attention, uh, it's the boy who cried yeah, wolf. You got, you got we're chasing older. this stuff down and we're going, it's completely false. So when, when it does come through, if it's true, you've lost me already. Mueller's, yeah, Mueller's doing his investigation and, and there might be some stuff, especially, I, shit, there is some stuff with Manafort. You know what I'm saying? I, I feel confident in saying that now. But at the same time, like I don't know the nature of it. I mean, look at your uh, look at the the whole wiretap. Look, we're issue. we're defending Trump. Here we are defending Donald Trump. I hate this. I hate having to do this. I, I, I Donald Trump was the last person I wanted as president. But damn it, I have to stand for honesty at some point. Well, I tell you, I tell you where this becomes where this becomes a problem, and I think I think this kind of loops nicely into the piece de resistance. There. That's not to say that Trump doesn't have his issues. Trump has plenty of issues. I would never vote for Trump. You know, Trump has problems. But the problem is we always talk about how it's hard to have conversations with each other. And the the tone and tenor and the extremism and stuff, this stuff is fostering that. And let me let me give you a perfect example of how language casts this whole thing in stakes that you know, not to say this isn't high stakes, but they're not as epic and drastic as it's made to sound. Let's talk about the government, the great government clampdown of 2017. Hit All me right? with it. Okay. So, uh, a lot of you uh, may remember that back earlier this year, it was you know late January, February. Trump had just taken office, and. Uh, all of a sudden, there were all these news stories. You had numerous media organizations reporting that Trump has blacked out 
The government. I remember that. Yes. 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 Uh, EPA blackout. EPA blackouts. No uh, one's allowed to be on social media. The Department of Interior. Yeah. No, you had, uh, I remember. Trump silences the EPA. I remember the uh, CBS showing a video of uh, uh, researchers frantically copying down all the information they could get from the EPA website. That's right. Because apparently. Which, yeah, fair enough, it did change, but, but it has apparently that information doesn't exist anywhere else on Earth. It just existed on the EPA website. That one web server, too, because we yeah. know yeah. we know how the government does web security, folks. But let me, let me give you some quotes here from the AP article. This is, this is the AP again, God bless them, about the great blackout. Uh, the Trump administration has instituted a media blackout at the Environmental Protection Agency and barred staff from awarding any new contracts or grants, part of a broader communications clampdown within the executive branch. Similar orders barring external communications have been issued in recent days by the Trump administration at other federal agencies, including the Departments of Transportation, Agriculture, and Interior. Here's, here's where we kick it into overdrive. The executive director for the advocacy group Public Employees for Environmental Responsibility, Jeff Rush, said the orders go beyond what has occurred in prior presidential transitions. We're watching the dark cloud of Mordor extend over the federal service, he said, referring to the evil kingdom in the epic fantasy of Lord of the Rings. Mordor. All right, so... If you were just... <laughs> if you were just punched in the gut, by Donald Trump being elected president, and you open up your 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 website or your your newspaper, whatever, and you start reading that the the dark cloud of Mordor is extending over the executive branch of the government, how are you then supposed to go and have a rational conversation can, with someone who supports the dark cloud of Mordor? Can you do me a favor? Can you read me back that uh, that AP mission statement yeah, again? Absolutely. Just just the I'm relevant parts. Sure, uh, yeah. Because I think there okay. was something uh, there. Let's see. Uh, quotations must be accurate and precise. Was it that part? Uh, it means we always strive to identify all the sources of our information, shielding them with anonymity only when they insist upon it and when they provide vital information, not opinion or speculation. Uh, when there is oh. no other way to obtain that information and when we know the source is knowledgeable and reliable. Oh, okay. 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 They failed. Yeah, they did let's be honest because let's talk about what actually happened. All right. So it is true um, that the EPA was, uh, uh, you know, told to uh, put a lid on things for a minute. But the reason that they were told to put a lid on things is because that's pretty standard procedure. Basically, the Trump administration came in and they looked at EPA and they said, hey, you know, we were just elected. We have different guidelines, policy regulations, stuff like that, that we're going to push and advocate for. The people of America just chose us. You know, you can talk about election results or whatever. So we want you to hold up until we can give you our guidelines for what it, policies we're going to push and, and so on. Tell me, uh, is there any historical precedent for a move like this? Oh, just every presidential administration ever, you know. Uh, oh. Yeah. Uh, the Department of the Interior, uh, basically... Uh, an, an employee at the, it was the national park thing. The, the guy at the national park service started taking digs at Trump on the department of interiors, Twitter or, yeah. or Facebook commandeered or the Twitter. And so they came and, through and, and, and actually, I believe it was an interior memo and they said, Hey, let's not post our personal beliefs on social media accounts. Uh, and that's our policy anyway. So why don't we chill out on that? Again, this is them shutting down the department of interior. Uh, the Department of Transportation and Agriculture were internal memos with no direct connection whatsoever to the White House. Had nothing to do with Trump. They were internal memos. Uh, one of them was actually issued by an Obama appointee who is the former Democratic governor of Iowa. Oh. And it basically said, hey, there's a new administration Let's try not to talk to the press. Oh, did I mention what? that? Did I mention that? It wasn't a rule. It was a recommendation. What? Let's try not to talk to the press until we get a new list of guidelines from the incoming administration. And there's one final point I want to make. The agriculture memo, the guy who wrote the agriculture memo said this. Uh, here it is from, uh, from the, uh, I think it was AP. 
Michael Young, the acting deputy secretary of the Agriculture Department, who has worked as a career civil servant in the department for 33 years, wrote a memo to employees guiding them to consult the secretary's office when responding to news media inquiries. He said the memo was little different than the one he issued during the transition to Mr. Obama's administration. Oh. He said, this is my favorite part, this memo is not some sort of creative writing exercise. This is almost exactly what was issued eight years ago. I just updated it a bit. So, folks, let me let me just clarify Dark this. Dark cloud of mortal. Right. This is why this is why I don't support uh, Democrats. This is why I didn't vote Hillary Clinton. Uh, this is why I won't. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe I would have voted for Bernie because I viewed him as some sort of outsider to this system. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's why a lot of people voted for Trump, though. Yeah. Because he, he put himself outside of all this. And then, and then, look, I mean, when the guy is screaming fake news and you guys, and I'm looking straight at the left here, are screaming, you're a liar. There's no fake news, but your media outlets are obviously spewing massive piles of fake news you i can't get on board how how can i do that how how can i do that i mean i can't get on board with him either right but but i can't i think well i think that's that's an important takeaway from our show i hope if if nothing else this is this is one thing that i want to get across to people i do not have to endorse anything that donald trump does in order for me to say that the media is lying about him shamelessly in these instances. Church. Okay. We, what we're going to do is we're going to post all this stuff and some stuff that we didn't even talk about today in our show notes. And in fact, in those show notes, you will find a list of 50 times. Uh, the Daily Show compiled a video of 50 times that Fox News outright lied about Obama. I don't like that either. That's horseshit. But this is what is current, you know, in the last six months, I feel like this is a little bit more pressing. Right. I have to say that that these issues, specifically the EPA gag order and the Bannon heading NSC, Mm -hmm. like I don't usually pay attention to this kind of thing. Politics is not my gig. Um, But when I saw those things, it awakened something in me, like the level of disgust that I'd always had with the media um, was in my face. And maybe I'm biased. You know, if you want to show me somehow that these that this spun up russian narrative um is somehow okay and that we're all the better for it like i'm okay to to hearing about that yeah um and i I, you know i can accept that i am definitely biased on this issue i mean it's i I find you know i find the media's behavior to be gross um but i but it's all here folks yeah it's all here no i think i think you know to to drive it home I would hope that, you know, we were talking about, you know, principles in, in a couple episodes and, and that's what I think it is, man. Like you have to, you have to stick to your principles and we've got to get out of this mindset that, uh, I have to support a candidate. All right. If Trump does something good tomorrow, if Trump, uh, comes out with a program to feed the homeless or whatever, I am not going to shit on that program because it came from Donald Trump. That's funny. I'm yeah. going to look at that program and analyze its merits. Same thing goes for Obama. If Obama uh, comes out tomorrow and says that instead of uh, deporting immigrants, we're just going to cut their heads off when they cry, you know, I'm going to come out against that. It doesn't matter. You, you can't just throw your weight behind a, a platform like that. You've got to not when it's this important, bad. not yeah, when it's this important, exactly. you know, on comic books. Sure. Maybe <laughs> that's coming in another episode, yeah, folks, yeah, yeah. We'll, but we'll definitely get, to but when it's this important, when we're talking about the president of the United States and yes, and, and maybe, maybe I won't even say maybe I think we fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. We fucked up, but Let's not make it worse than it already is. This is right. a temporary thing. It's four years, guys, if, if we do it right. Yeah. Right. Um, if, if you bring back Hillary Clinton and, and if you continue to have your, your left-leaning news organizations spewing massive piles of garbage yeah. uh, and, and obviously made-up stories uh, to, to, to foment your own politics, then, yeah, then yeah maybe eight yeah, years. Yeah, ho- hopefully what, you know, what we've shown here is that this... Uh, They'd like you to think it's a false equivalency, but it's not. The worst possible thing that you could think of of Fox News, it is absolutely happening at every other news outlet in, so, in, on, a, on a different bent. So we're going to transition here, and I'd just like to kind of um, 
leave everyone with uh, with this quote from from Charles W. Cook. He's he's the editor of the National Review Online. He says, "Biased doesn't cut it. To watch NBC for an afternoon." is not so much to be given a slanted account of what's happening here in America, but instead to witness a series of discussions about current events in parallel America 2. America 2, as anyone who watches the channel will discover, d- discover rather swiftly, hosts a supermajority of well-meaning, multi-culty, progressive types whose foolproof plans for explosive economic growth, uniform social justice, and general human utopia are constantly being undone by a blossoming white supremacist movement split apart by neo-secessionists and existentially threatened by traitors whose defining characteristic is a... Is a never-quite-explained hatred for progress. America, too, features no gray areas whatsoever. All local variation is apartheid. Each and every identification requirement is the second coming of Jim Crow. All criticism of the government is sedition. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. And he's absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's, it's hyperbolic, it's, it's, it's writing, but he's, but he's absolutely right. Um, and, and, he, and he's coming, he's coming from the right, you know, I'll, I'll say that. But he's right. Like news coverage on on either side, it doesn't present reality. It presents right. these these hyperbolic. Uh, Let's roll it back twelve in, years to, to Obama's election, and we yeah. could pick apart Fox News absolutely. in every bit as much detail as we've done today. There's absolutely, absolutely no question about it. Absolutely. Um, the problem is, is that they're in power now, and they don't need to uh, to to pump out propaganda like, on that level. I tell you, I feel like they uh, don't. Need I feel to. like Obi Wan. Uh, you know, at the end of uh, uh, Revenge of the go. Sith, where he's like, he's like, you were the chosen one. I mean, that's how that's how I get with like the Democrats sometimes, man. It's like you weren't supposed to do it too. So what? Like you can't do it too. What you know do we what do mean? though? I mean, so, so what do we do? I mean, it really, to me, for one, first and foremost, we have to pay for our news. No, if we're not paying for our news, and it, people are going to call me a shill for this. Good, I'm not a shill. It's just it's. Well, you you got to pay for it. Yeah, Otherwise, you you're being you know? sold. You are the product. If if we buy our news, we can ask them to play nice. Right mm-hmm. now, they have no reason to listen to us whatsoever. Right. I think I think you're definitely onto something there. And I would also, um, you know, that's something to rally around. That's something to push for. But every day, like tomorrow, uh, what can we do? It's it's it really is personal responsibility, folks. I mean, I'm not going to say it's all of it. There's definitely you know, things uh, that I'd like to see explored. But but by and large, especially when we talk about Russell conjugates, headlines, you have got to train yourself to to just question, to question everything, question what you think. Um, if you see somebody, you know, somebody says Trump wants to give guns to the mentally ill, first thing pops in my head is like, Jesus, how did he pass that? Right. So, like, if you're asking that question, let's go ahead and jump into the article. Yeah. You know, I mean, don't just assume... That what you're being taught, I don't care who it is, you know, don't assume that it's the truth because oftentimes it's either not or it's presented in such a way um, as to, to get this image in your head that you are constantly under threat, that you are constantly, you know, about to be destroyed by the other side. And, and I don't think that's the case. I would also know? say, although we, we're busy, we lead busy lives. Um, I know a lot of people just read headlines. Yeah. Uh, maybe some people just scan the articles. I would say, like, pay attention. Read the whole article, like you said, but uh-huh. also check another source. Yeah. Like, go punch it into Google and see what other people are saying. Now, that brings up a whole nother problem, because when companies like Google have political affiliations and are pumping money into uh, political, yeah. uh, you know, politicians, then then that raises a question. Are you getting the other side on Google? I, I'll tell you I'll tell you what I did. And I um uh, in order, you know, for us to do this podcast, I actually, I set up a, a Twitter account for the show. And so what I immediately did was I went and found the polar opposites and I added them all. I added, uh, you know, a guy named Dan Errol, who's about as crazy le- uh, left as I can think of. And then, you know, on the other side, I've, I've got Ben Shapiro, who a lot of people consider as crazy, right as you can get. Um, and, you know, and others, but that diversity, it, it sucks that like the news has, you know, split and, and fractured into so many pieces. 
But that's kind of the way I think that you kind of navigate is by counterbalancing a lot. You know, I want to see how Huffington Post reported it, and I want to see how the Daily Wire reported it, and how the NBC News reported it, and kind of the truth is somewhere in that middle. You know what I mean? Right. So, and I mean that's that's all fair and fine, but what we saw here was you had six different news organizations spewing the same thing. So I feel Actively like... Actively seek out the one who's saying something different, though, for sure. Right. You know, yeah, right. add that into your filter. If you're on the left, there's no reason not to check out, you know, Daily Wire. If you're on the right, there's no reason not right. to check out Vox. You know? Right. Go read Fox yeah, News. Go, you go hate Fox News. Like, yeah. go go read it. Go see what they're saying. Go turn Absolutely. it on, uh, you know, and see what if they're saying. If nothing else, I mean, sometimes it reinforces your belief. You know, sometimes I go and I see what the other side says. Oh, God, like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. You yeah, know? if I turn on Fox News, I have much of the same opinions I have when I turn on NBC. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, I swear, it's in, this episode is cannot stand as a testament uh, to, to my support of Donald Trump in any way, <laughs> shape, or form, or my support of Fox News, uh, or my support of, of... I mean, it's funny, my brother gave me some feedback on, on the first episode and said, well, I feel like you guys... Uh, you lean a little left. <laughs> and I said, just wait, buddy. Yeah. Just wait. So here we are swinging back. Um, I would also say, like, listen listen to podcasts, man. Shameless Absolutely. self-promotion, but this is a new source of media. It's, it's I, I tell you, so it's, far. It's one they're trying to bastardize, but they haven't quite yet. That's that's the beauty of it. You know, like this this whole, there's like this nexus of podcasters and YouTube videos and stuff. And, 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 but you do have, you do have the full strata. Like, uh, you know, I, I'll just throw out a couple I can think of, uh, you know, on the right, you've got, uh, you know, the armored, uh, armored skeptic, I think yeah. is huge on YouTube, but on the left, you've got contrapoints as well, you know, and, and they're huge. And so it, it is all out there. It's not right now. There's this, this image that, you know, it's, it's the alt right and, and this, nah, it has not. the sole domain of YouTube and that's no. not by any means the the case so definitely go out there and look for these other smaller you know maybe a little bit more independent uh you know i think i think we still have to be aware of bias though because i mean i i just admitted my bias i mean I, and i will yeah no one's unbiased but you gotta wonder like chapel's trap house dog they're making 60k a month yeah where's that money coming from uh well i'll tell you what i don't know about chapo but i can tell you about the reuben report uh, he's making like thirty thousand a month. He has a partnership with Learn Liberty, which is tied to the Koch brothers. Do you know so, was that like was that publicly disclosed by him? Is this uh, something that know, people I, dug up? I've actually I've seen it. Uh, well, he he admits that he has a partnership with Learn Liberty. How much of his Patreon is them is not publicly disclosed. Gotcha. So, but so so what do we see? We see that even though we've moved to like podcasts and like you know more independent forms, the same rules still apply. Guys, you've still got to look. You've still got a question. Question. I cannot push that enough, man. Question everything. Yeah. Everything. I, it's funny because I think we can go down the road of regulating uh, the media, you know, mm -hmm. through through government. We, we can go down that road and, and we can make rules yeah. like the Fairness Act. Yeah. Um, but they're not liable to work. And I think that's the case with a lot of things that we want to legislate. We want to fix major problems that we have as a society yeah. by pushing it on our legislators and say, just write the right words on a piece of paper mm. and enter it into the books and, and it will be so. But yeah. the truth is much, much, much more complicated. And I think most of the problems with our society in America can be solved by looking at ourselves yeah. and by working on ourselves. I completely agree. Completely agree. And in fact, I think that is a beautiful note uh, with which to end this episode on the press. Uh, however, uh, we're not going to be able to get out the door without letting Benzo come through and tell all you guys about all the shit we messed up. I would like to go ahead and point out really quick that today I referenced the governor of Iowa and did not say Idaho. So already uh, Benzo's impact is, is profound. So Benzo... Uh, what do we screw up today, man? Well, Theory, as you know, this is my favorite part of the show. It's when I get to tell the listeners how stupid you guys sound. So first up, we got Sense. He was struggling to get out MSNBC. I mean, buddy, you said it right the first ten times. What happened? Then Theory tried to take my job by idle-correcting him on MSNBC's political bias. He took my job. And Theory... 
I think Nuthouse is a little insensitive, buddy. Mental hospital is a politically correct term. In theory, the updated headline of the National Guard article, that garbled mess that you spewed from your opinion hole, actually reads, and I quote, AP exclusive, DHS weighed National Guard for immigration roundups. Theory, your quote from Michael Young, you said was from the AP, was actually from the New York Times, buddy. For the record, I'm kind of confused as to how these two could talk about the news for an hour and not even mention the Telecommunications Act in 1996 one time. Theory, buddy, what was the deal today, man? Saw you on the list way too many times. Just so you know, that's not a good thing. Uh, yeah, uh, Beanzo, I, I, I think I get that point. Thank you very much, Beans. All right, guys. Well, that's going to uh, wrap up uh, this episode of this Instant Theory podcast. Thanks for listening. Taylor Swift. Hey, folks. I'm Sense, one half of the Instant Theory podcast. I'd like to take a second to thank you for listening. Uh, it's your time and attention that makes this show worthwhile. Uh, we do the show for you and our listeners. Um, I'd ask you to leave a review, good or bad, on iTunes. Uh, come check us out on the various social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can find the links uh, in the description to the show. And uh, if you want to reach out with a comment, uh, joke, uh, funny anecdote, uh, you want to call me an idiot, uh, sense of theory podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, thanks again, folks, and we'll see you next week.